0: Welcome to Highlands Church audio sermons. Today, January 12th, 2020, we continue our new series titled Live Different: The Sermon on the Mount. Today's sermon, True Happiness Part 2, will be taught to us by Pastor Thomas Slager out of Matthew chapter 5 verses 7 through 12. Enjoy. Hey, if you've got a Bible, go ahead and open that up to Matthew chapter 5. It's week 2 of our series Live Different. Um, We're talking about Jesus' most famous sermon, his Sermon on the Mount, found in Matthew chapter 5 through chapter 7. I want to rewind this morning real quick just to kind of make sure context is set for where we're at. Look at Matthew chapter 4. So if you're at Matthew chapter 5, just look one page left. Starting in verse 23, to add some context of what is going on in Jesus' ministry at the time, says this, And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. He's doing three primary things. He's teaching, he's proclaiming, and he's healing. Teaching, teaching those who are already his followers, proclaiming the truth of God's kingdom to those who are not yet following, and healing, it says, every disease and every affliction among the people. And the result, verse 24, so his fame spread so his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and from the Decapolis, and from Jerusalem, and Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. People are coming from all over the place to follow him, and traveling with him as he teaches, proclaims, and heals. Among these great crowds, we can think of three different groups of people. Among these crowds, there's believers, those who are following the teaching and listening to what he proclaims. There's the skeptics, and being a skeptic isn't wrong. It means you're questioning what's being talked about. That's not an awful place to be. Then there's the critics. Those who are just nay-naying everything that Jesus says. Among that crowd is a group of people called the Pharisees, whom Jesus had run-ins with consistently. And we're going to come back to those people in just a moment. Now, his popularity is at his peak, and with his large crowd following, the message he chooses to give them is a message that was countercultural then, and it's a message that's countercultural today as well. He begins the message with the Beatitudes, blessing, last week we talked about blessing being happiness, not this like rainbow, butterfly, popcorn, cheerfulness, gumdrop, happiness, um, happiness, but joy, not this situational thing that's fleeting, but this real joy that's rooted in knowing God and experiencing him in our life. He says, these are the people that will be happy in life, the people who live out these attitudes, So he sets out a path for happiness, but as we see towards the end of the gospel, the path that Jesus offers is the path that's less preferred. I want you to remember that. The path that Jesus paves is the path that's less preferred. With that, let me read the Beatitudes once again. We'll start in Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. We're going to read through 13 and then see what the Lord has for us today. God, though it's my voice that's been heard, we know it's your word that's been spoken. And this morning, we submit to your word as the authority for our life. God, would you help us understand what it says? Holy Spirit, we ask that you'd open our eyes to see the things of the Lord, that you'd open our minds to know Jesus, open our ears to hear you, and that you'd open our hearts to love you. God, would everything that we say and do during this time bring you glory and you glory alone. Bless this time, we ask all these things in the name of your son, Jesus, and all God's people said, Amen. Simple sayings with profound meanings. That's what the Beatitudes are. Though they're simple in effect, they can be quite difficult to live out. We're going to look at the last four of them today. The first one is found in verse 7. He says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. Now I want to follow this the way we followed it last week, talking about happiness and then also kind of the translation for what that means to us today. Happy are those who show the forgiveness and compassion of Jesus. We see that Jesus is ultimately the model for all of the things he asks us to live out. He doesn't just teach us to live that way, he provides the model for it. As well, he says, "Blessed, blessed are the ha- happy." We've talked about this last week. It's not this fleeting happiness, but it's this thing that's grounded. It's this happiness knowing that I'm living a life that's approved of God, that I'm fulfilled and knowing I'm living the life God has called me to live. Blessed are the merciful. What's mercy? We often talk about mercy of withholding something that's deserved. That's a good definition for it, but we also know that mercy is more than that. Mercy is compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone. What's the result? He says, blessed are the the merciful, the promise being they shall receive mercy. The people who are merciful receive mercy. It's kind of that you reap what you sow mentality, right? Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. If you want to be shown mercy then have mercy on people. It's, it's quite a simple instruction. Now, it would be nice if we could just have the promise without living the attitude, but that's not the way this works. The attitude is an attitude of mercy. The promise is we will be shown mercy. Now, we all love receiving mercy, don't we? If you've done something wrong and you apologize and someone forgives you, that feels great. Or if you're in need and someone has compassion on you and they show you mercy and help you meet that need, that feels wonderful. But showing mercy, it requires something of us. Maybe with forgiveness, you feel like you're in power because you get to hold so closely on to this forgiveness. And as long as someone has wronged you, you can hold it over their head. But what forgiveness and mercy says is we're good. As we'll see in a moment, that's what Christ has done for us. Mercy is what God requires of his people. Micah chapter six, verse eight says this, he has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? He doesn't say suggest. What would the Lord kind of like you to do? No, this is a hard word. What does the Lord require of you but to do justice and love Kindness. The word kindness here is the same word as mercy. To do justice, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God. Can any of us really say we love mercy? As I said before, we love receiving mercy, but until we freely give mercy, you can't say you love it. If you really love mercy, then you freely give mercy just as Jesus gave mercy to us and Jesus has given us mercy. Take your Bible, go to Matthew chapter 9. We see all throughout the scriptures that God has mercy on his people. Matthew Matthew chapter 9 verse 36. Starting in verse 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. Now this isn't just like a sad feeling like, oh. It might start with that. It might start with a oh. But then it leads you to do something else. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Compassion leads to action. Jesus says, oh, leads him to do something. He says, this isn't right. Someone needs to go help those people. Pray that the Lord would send someone to go help. Now, now, Jesus is God, okay? So he's got this whole plan figured out. We shouldn't just see, see a need and be like, oh man, someone should help that guy. We should see a need and see, maybe this is my moment for compassion. Maybe this is my moment for mercy. Maybe this is an opportunity for me to be the hands and feet of Jesus and help someone who is in need to love someone who's typically unlovable, We talk about night to shine. Night to shine is an opportunity for us to have compassion. Tim Tebow made the comment, these people are made with love and for love. It's an opportunity for us to be the hands hands and feet of Jesus, to love people whom a lot of people in this world see as unlovable. Matthew chapter 15, flip to the right one more time. Matthew chapter 15, verse 32 Then Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. Now, he didn't just say, What a bummer, hungry people. We should leave. No, compassion leads to action. If there's no action, it's not really compassion. It's not mercy unless it moves. Mercy moves. I have compassion on the crowd because they've been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. I am unwilling to send them away hungry lest they faint on the way. And then we read the famous miracle of Jesus multiplying the fish and the loaves and feeding the people. The mercy of Jesus moved him to action. It wasn't just this thing we think about and this, oh, what a bummer, but it actually moved and helped the people in his life. Not only has Jesus shown compassion and mercy, but he's also shown forgiveness we know he's shown forgiveness to us. First Peter chapter 2 verse 10 says this, once you were not a people but now you are God's people, once you had not received mercy, now you have received mercy. We've received the mercy of God. We've been forgiven by God. There's a wonderful parable Uh, It's a parable I didn't write down. Matthew chapter 18, verses 32 through 35. Let me set this up for us. There's a servant who owes his master a massive debt. It says it's a 10,000 talents. One talent is equal to 20 years of wages. The ESV footnote kind of helps us understand uh, at current day how much this debt would have been. It said this, in approximate modern equivalence, if a laborer laborer earns $15 per hour at 2,000 hours per year, he would earn 30,000 per year before taxes, right? And the talent would equal $600,000, 20 years of of making that salary for 20 years. Hence, 10,000 talents would be that times 10,000 hyperbolically represents an incalculable debt in today's terms, about $6 billion. $6 billion. So the servant owes his his master $6 billion. The, the master comes to the servant and says, all right, it's time to pay up. And the servant says, I can't. There's no possible way that I can pay this to you. So he says, all right, then you must go to prison. The servant begs. He says, please have mercy on me. And the master, in an act of mercy, says, okay, your debt's forgiven your debt is forgiven. Matthew chapter 18, verse 32 through 35, we can get up on the screen, because you think that servant would go and extend mercy to people since God had shown mercy to him. But it says this, then his master summoned him and said, you wicked servant. Why is he wicked? See, here's what happened. The servant left that day after be giving mercy by his master and found one of his servants, found someone who owed him a debt in today's terms, about $12,000. And when the servant came to him and said, sir, I can't pay, just like you couldn't pay your master, the servant said, nope. And it says he choked him out. He choked him and threw him in prison. The mercy he had received was not being freely given. You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt, an incalculable debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. That is a terrifying scripture. Matthew chapter six, we'll see it in a couple of weeks. Jesus makes a comment that if we don't forgive other people's trespasses, then God won't forgive ours. We are in no place to withhold mercy, compassion, or forgiveness. Why? Because in this story, we're the servant. There is no way that you and I can repay the debt of sin that we have incurred. There's no way. There's no amount of right things that I can do. There's no amount of money that I can give. There's no amount of serving that I can do. There's no amount of good deeds I can accrue over the course of my lifetime to pay back the debt that I owe God so God is wiped the slate clean. He's forgiven my debt through the death and resurrection of his son, Jesus. Now what do the merciful receive? The merciful receive mercy. When we show forgiveness and compassion, we'll receive forgiveness and compassion and we will be truly happy. The second beatitude we see is in verse eight. It says, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. For us, that means happy are those who surrender their hearts to Jesus. Happy are those who surrender their hearts to Jesus. When the Bible speaks of heart, it's not talking about that thing that pumps blood in your chest. Heart is mentioned over a thousand times in the Bible when it refers to our spirit, our emotions, and our desire. Our heart is who we are. Now that said, the Bible has some things to say about our heart. Jeremiah chapter 17 verse nine says, the heart is deceitful above all things. Your heart's a liar and desperately sick Who can understand it? Proverbs 20, verse nine raises a question. Who can say, I have made my heart pure. I am clean from my sin. No one can say that. No one. No one can say, I've I've done enough to make my heart pure. I'm clean from my sin. It's an impossibility. Take your Bible once more. Fast forward to the right. Go to Mark chapter seven. Mark chapter seven you can start in verse 6. We talked about that crowd, that crowd, some of the people there being the Pharisees, though, whose Jesus butted heads with quite a bit, especially while Jesus preached this um, countercultural message, this countercultural gospel. Verse 6, he says to the Pharisees, and he said to them, Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments, of men, they, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far, far from me. Go to verse 18. And Jesus said to them, then are you also without understanding? Do you not see whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him since it enters his heart, not his heart, but his stomach and is expelled? You understand that. Thus he declared all foods clean. Thanks God, because bacon's delicious. Verse 20. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. Not the things we put in that make us dirty. It's the things that come out of us that make us dirty. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these things come from within and they defile a person. God says, blessed are the pure in heart, but the Bible says our hearts are not pure. The Bible also says we can't do enough to make our heart pure, There's no external solution for this internal situation. I can't do enough right things to cleanse and purify my heart. Psalm chapter 51 verse 10 says this, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Create a new heart. Give me a new heart. My heart's dirty, my heart's sick. I can't do this on my own, Jesus. I need you to give me a new one. Ezekiel 36 talks about how God has to rip out our heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh. Give us the heart that we need to have in order to follow Him properly. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. The problem is we cannot see God until we have our heart purified. John chapter three, a man by the name of Nicodemus comes to visit Jesus by the cover of night and they're having this conversation about salvation. What do I have to do to be saved? And Jesus says, you need to be reborn. The life you have isn't good enough. You need a new life. That's the message of the, script, of the gospel. I can't do enough things to be made new. I can't do enough things to be made clean. What I need is to be reborn. What I need is to be given a new heart. What I need to be given is a new life. Then and only then can I see God. Revelation chapter 22, verses three and four, it's a picture of the future, a picture of heaven. It says this, no longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on his foreheads, Friends, if we ask God for a new heart, if we repent of our sins, if we confess that we're sinner, if we place our faith and trust in Jesus and believe that his death and his resurrection is the thing that makes us new, is the thing that gives us a pure heart, when we die, we see God. But it's not just this future thing. God said the kingdom of heaven's at hand. This was the message Jesus preached. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. So future I get to see God, but in my life right now, I get to see God moving all around me. I get to see God moving in the situations of my life. I get to see God moving in my own heart. I get to watch God move in the hearts of my kids. I get the pleasure and the joy of watching God move all around me. It's those who have a pure heart. It's those who have surrendered everything to Jesus who see God in this life. When we surrender our hearts to Jesus, we see God and we will be truly happy. The third one we see, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. Happy are those who live out the gospel of Jesus. Happy are those who live out the gospel of Jesus. In Ephesians chapter six, talking about putting on the whole armor of God, we see believers are told to put on as shoes the readiness given by the gospel of peace. By the gospel of peace. Good news means gospel. It's the good news of Peace, and this good news of peace, this coming Messiah, this coming king, this coming prince, it was pronounced well before the birth of Jesus. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, we talked about this over the Christmas season. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and on the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called the Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace." It's who Jesus is. Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. Why? Because we know that he came to make peace. Colossians chapter one, verses 19 through 20 says this, for in him the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. This is how God made peace between us and him. He sent Jesus to pay the price for our sin He sent Jesus to atone for our sins so that we could have right relationship with God, thus making peace. Now, if Jesus came to make peace and we are followers of Jesus and we call Jesus Lord, that means we do what he says. If Jesus' mission was peace and us as followers of Jesus, what becomes our mission? Peace. We're meant to be peace. Peacemakers were meant to be individuals who live out this good news of peace. Luke 6.46, Jesus makes a comment. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, but not do what I say? It doesn't make sense. Why, Why do you call me Lord, which means master, and not do what I say? That doesn't, I'm not. I'm not your Lord if you're not listening. I'm not your Lord if you're not obeying me. Jesus came to make peace, we also ought to make peace. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 says this, strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Strive for peace with everyone. Let's talk about that for a second, strive. Just like we're told to love mercy, we're told to strive, really work at it for peace. Now peace, if I'm honest, typically for us just looks like withdrawal, We're like, there's this issue in my life. There's a problem going on. These people don't like me because I'm a Jesus follower. I'm just going to remove myself so I can have some peace. We see the way of Jesus. Jesus actually comes and presses in. It makes peace. He doesn't just withdraw. He doesn't just avoid. How many of you are those type of people you don't like conflict? I'm raising my hand because I don't like conflict. I don't. My preference? It'll work itself out. No, it's probably not going to work itself out. Nah, I serve a big God. He can work everything out. But Jesus says, Blessed are the peacemakers. Really work at it. Strive for peace with everyone. Now, I did a word study on everyone because I was really hopeful it didn't mean everyone. Um, turns out, everyone, you might guess, means everyone. Romans 12, 18, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. If possible, if, it's, if, if you have the option, if you have the option, you always choose peace. So far as it depends on you, as long as you're able to choose peace, you choose peace. Live peaceably with all. Choose peace. If possible, choose peace. If it depends on you, choose peace. Live peaceably with all. You've heard that phrase, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. We typically use that um, in a derogatory term, right? Like you check out this kid. <laughs> the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, does it? Right, like, yeah, his dad's a turd too. Like he's just like his father. <laughs> when it comes to our relationship with God, when it comes to our relationship with our heavenly father, the apple isn't supposed to fall far from the tree. We're supposed to look like our father. If our father came to make peace, people should see our lives and people should see peace. When we live out the good news of peace in our life, we will be called sons of God and we will be happy. Fourth and finally, in verse 10, it says this, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. If you're a Bible circler, circle righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You know, I thought it was strange that the beatitude of persecution follows the beatitude of peace. So God called me to make peace, but then he told me, I want to be persecuted? Persecuted? The reality is not all attempts to make peace end well. Because the message we share has to do with our heart and your heart is sick, your heart is sinful, your heart needs saving. You are not good enough. You cannot work your way into heaven. People don't like that message. People don't like hearing what the Bible says about how we should live our life And they either approach it in two ways. They submit to it or they silence it. When you hear the message of Jesus, when you hear the good news brought to us in scripture, people will either submit and say yes and they'll serve or they'll try to silence, shut it down, nope, 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 nope. How could you even believe that? Are you that ignorant? Are you that narrow-minded? Are you that much of a bigot? This is the opposition we often face in our life. Now we know the degree to which we get persecuted, it varies, a lot dependent upon where you live geographically and it also depends on how vocal you are as a believer. If you're kind of more of a silent, like personalized, polypocket pocket type Jesus person where it's just you and Jesus, no one else has to know about it, you kind of just put him in your pocket and live your life and you bring him out when you need something or when you, when you need to pray or confess about the stupid junk you did again. or if, if that's more of you, the level of persecution you face, which Luke 6 says oftentimes has to do with exclusion, of being excluded from things, then you're probably not going to face that much opposition in your life. Now, if you're vocal about it and you're preaching this message that people don't like and this message that people want to silence, it means they will try to silence you. John chapter 15, verses 18 through 20 says this, "'If the world hates you, "'know that it hated me before it hated you. "'If you were of the world, "'the world would love you as its own. "'But because you are not of the world, "'but I chose you out of the world, "'therefore the world hates you. "'Remember the word that I said to you, "'A servant is not greater than his master.' they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. When we share the words of Jesus, some will submit and serve, but some will seek to silence. And we shouldn't be caught off guard and surprised when this happens. Now, to clarify, notice how he says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. If people treat you poorly because you treat people poorly, that's on you. If people treat you poorly because you treat people poorly, that's on you. Notice what Jesus says, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. When you speak the way God asks us to speak, when you live the way God asks us to live, and they persecute us because they persecuted our Savior, Jesus says, that's on me. That's my account. They hate you because they hated me. Verse 12 is interesting. It gives us the only command in the entire text of Beatitudes, rejoice and be glad. the only thing we're commanded to do when we encounter persecution, we encounter trial, when we... Uh, encounter anything like that. When we're treated poorly because of our faith, Jesus says rejoice and be glad. Why? Two reasons. One, your reward is great in heaven. You know how we live this life actually matters? Jesus says if we're persecuted, uh, if if we're excluded, if we're talked about poorly on his account, there's reward for it. Second, there's a great record we get to be a part of. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. We get to join this long list of prophets who were persecuted for Jesus, of apostles who were persecuted for Jesus. We get to join this long history of disciples of Christ who were persecuted for their faith, for living out what Christ has told us to done to do. We we get to be a part of that. There's reward, and there's an opportunity to join a great record. When we stand for Jesus, even in the face of opposition, we show ourselves to belong to the kingdom of heaven. And when we know we belong to the kingdom of heaven, we will find ourselves happy. Now, this list of Beatitudes is countercultural. If I was to just read them and, and, and say, this is what God wants of me, I would say that's kind of a bummer. We can even read through them. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who recognize their spiritual bankruptcy. Blessed are those who mourn, those who are grieved by their sin. Blessed are the meek, those who in humility submit their lives to the spirit. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness in a world filled with all sorts of pleasures. Blessed are those who long for God the most. Blessed are the merciful, the forgiving and compassionate. Blessed are the pure in heart, those who surrender their hearts to Jesus. Blessed are the peacemakers, those who strive for peace. Blessed are the persecuted, those who stand for Jesus. Doesn't seem like the right path to happiness. Yet this is the path that Jesus lays out for us. In a minute here, we're gonna close and we're gonna sing called The Heart of God. And there's a line in the song where it says, your heart, O oh God, is all I want. Your heart, O oh God, is all I want. See, I think something marvelous happens when we just press in and surrender everything over to Jesus and say, what I want is you. Hebrews chapter 12 tells us to fix our eyes on Jesus, to surrender our hearts to Jesus, to hunger and thirst for Jesus, to strive and desire Jesus above everything. Everything else. See, if I I focus on Jesus and say all I want is more and more and more of Jesus, these things in my life, they'll happen. They'll happen. As long as I set my gaze on Jesus and say, Jesus, I want to be like you. Jesus, I want to know you. Jesus, I want to love you. Jesus, I want to submit to you. Jesus, I want to serve you. These things will happen in my life. But if I focus on these things and say, I'm gonna try to do better at this, I'm gonna do better at this, I'm gonna do better at this, and I'm gonna do better at this, we're gonna miss it. Because these things aren't the end goal. The end goal is Jesus. If we focus on Jesus, these things are going to happen. So friends, this morning, here's what I'm going to do. Um, I'm gonna ask you to do this. I like when we do this. If you would stand up, I'm gonna ask the band to come out. Um, If if you're you're comfortable doing this, I like doing this just because it's my way um, of submitting myself to the Lord and me telling Jesus, God, have your way in my life. It's me surrendering my will. It's me surrendering my desire. It's me surrendering everything and just saying, God, I want you to have your way in me. I'm gonna read through these beatitudes just one more time um, and I ask each of you with, with humility, just ask God, God, where am I falling short? With my eyes set on Jesus, with my desire to follow Jesus, with my desire to love Jesus with everything that I have, Where am I missing it? You know, this morning, if God places something on your heart and says it's this, take that with you this week. As you strive to follow Jesus the best you can, focus in on that and try to live just like Jesus lived in that beatitude. Let me read it one more time. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, blessed are the poor in spirit. That's those who recognize their spiritual bankruptcy and need for God. Blessed are those who mourn, those who are grieved by their sin. Blessed are the meek, it's the humble. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, it's those who long for God. Blessed are the merciful, it's the forgiving and compassionate. Blessed are the pure in heart, those who are surrendered completely to Jesus. Blessed are the peacemakers, those who strive for peace. And blessed are the persecuted, those who stand for Jesus. Jesus, this morning, all we want is your heart. God, we want to have the love for you that you require. God, we want to have the love for people that you have for people. God, we ask you to give us a heart this morning that above all else just desires your son, Jesus. God, we know without your grace, without your help, without your heart, we cannot be these attitudes that your scriptures require. God, help us respond in worship now as we submit ourselves to you, as we surrender our wills to you. God, I ask that you'd continue to open our minds, to know you, our ears to hear you, our eyes to see you, and ultimately our hearts to love you above everything else this world has to offer. And in doing so, God, we know that we will live a life that's happy. God, we love you. And all God's people said, amen. The grace and mercy of our God triumphs over judgment. His love is stronger than all sin. If you're here this morning and you're thinking, no, I'm not good enough. and No, Jesus would never love me. Friends, the message of the gospel is that he does. You might find yourself unlovable. Jesus didn't die for you because you were lovable. He died to make you lovable. He didn't die for you because you've done good things. He died for you because he wanted to do a good thing for you. If that message is speaking to your heart this morning, if you want to embrace the mercy and the grace of the Son of God, Jesus, I'd ask after service you come forward. We'd love to talk to you. We'd love to pray with you and point you on the right direction and help you take your next steps towards Jesus. Highlands Church, we serve a mighty, mighty God, don't we? Yeah. Would we fix our eyes on him and would we seek the heart of God above everything else in our life this week? Love each other. Bless you guys. Bye-bye.